0: After the Bell, I'm Zach Borman. We are back again with our vigilant WAEA observer, Sue Darden, to discuss last night's Board of Trustee meetings taking place on February 14th, 2022. Sue, were you feeling the love in the room last night, being it was uh, (laughs) Valentine's Day and all?
1: Well, they did make reference to it and how we all love to be there. So um, I actually did check out early, Zach. I left um, before the work session. Yeah,
0: so we I'm sure we'll get to it here momentarily, but uh, there was sort of a bomb dropped at the very, very tail end of of this night's meeting that uh, most people are probably aware of by now.
1: That's right. Um, After the work session and then after the executive session, I would not have stayed anyway. um, Amy Johnson announced her resignation and cited um, the bullying and stuff that has occurred with her kids and her employer as one of the reasons why.
0: Yeah, I will link the the story the the Idaho Ed News that has her her uh, reasoning her letter attached to it in the notes for this episode. But uh, rather surprising, I mean, it's been has it definitely hasn't been easy for her at the last couple of meetings. She's been in the minority on on a lot of the the votes and stuff, and um, and uh, apparently the a lot of the the sort of resign Amy calls for for having ulterior motives or whatnot have been pretty consistent as well. You think?
1: Um, I think that's true, but I really think it was people who actually were threatening her children and were saying negative things about Blue Cross, her employer. And so um, I think she was looking at the impact on them You know, she herself could have taken it, but it became really personal when they started attacking her children and even saying that her children, you know, should be taken away from her her children should die. And
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. She she received some really nasty, vile emails and threats.
0: Hopefully there's some sort of recourse or, I mean, reporting it to the police or something. I wonder if there's any follow through on uh, it seems like that can't be acceptable in our well, she, society. She
1: actually said in her letter near the bottom that she wants to work with the legislature to get some laws on the books to protect elected officials from harassment like that. Yeah.
0: Really unfortunate. Really unfortunate. Okay, so um yeah, that's uh, that's some big news and uh how that so the her stepping down in the middle or not even in the middle at the very beginning of this new term, yeah. I guess not her term, but the year she's yes. probably two years, three years through her tenure at this point.
1: point, two years. Two and years. then trustee Kofelt has also announced um, that he, you know, the first meeting that he would be leaving sometime this summer. So uh, the board will be making, you know, could be making some big changes here in just a few months.
0: Would Kohfeldt's be, because they'll just appoint someone for Johnson. Right, and right. the board votes on it. So the four remaining board members would pick whomever they feel is is best for the job.
1: Right, and the same thing the will happen then when um, Trustee Kofelt resigns. Um, then the the four people will vote on his replacement. Though they have a whole process that they've laid out where they actually have the application and um, how it's going to work. It's in their board. Uh, well, actually, it's in their their board handbook, but they voted to get rid of the board handbook last night or didn't vote, but yeah, I guess they kind of did. They had an open meeting law violation about the board handbook.
0: Okay. So there's no set policy as to exactly how they have to go about this process then at this point.
1: Right. They have one that they had, had approved, but somebody um, declared it or said it was an open meeting law violation because they voted during um, their, work session instead of in the general meeting.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um,
1: and it wasn't on the agenda, I guess, is, is a point somebody made.
0: Who it, was, who it is then is sort of up to them to choose and, and how and, and when precisely they have to replace them by.
1: Right. The first Could, step is that they have to have another meeting and accept her letter of resignation because they have to vote to do that. Uh, They could call a special meeting to do that. Then they have to um, post that they're taking applications.
0: How long of a period of time might they operate with just four trustees?
1: It could be about a month or so.
0: All right. Well, that's one of many interesting upcoming events that we also need to talk about here real quick. So let's dive into the meeting. Did we start with the... I, I did not get a chance to actually watched the the uh, meeting last night. So you're going to have to kind of hold my hand through this one, Sue. But uh, where did we start? Was it with the open meeting violation?
1: Uh, actually, Again? the very first thing I thought was interesting was uh, cha- that uh, Trustee um, Cofelt, Chairman Cofelt, apologized for making the brain damage comment at the last meeting. And um, he sounded very sincere. And then the open meeting law violation. And <coughs> one of my sources tells me that it was David Benetti who made this um, violation and he filed it with the um, attorney general, the state attorney general. Interesting. And so they did call their decision null and void. And so I'm assuming since it wasn't on this agenda, that they will put it on a future agenda to discuss and then to approve or not.
0: Any thinking on, on if it was indeed Benetti and we're not making any accusations, but if what what would be the motivation of doing so? Was it to get the handbook repealed or he just was, to make sure that the board was following?
1: He was procedures? yelling out at one of the meetings about that. Um, so I think my source is probably pretty, um, pretty accurate. But um, he, he didn't like, you know, I guess he feels like he's the one who needs to be there to be the watchdog over the board. So if they didn't have it on the agenda, then they should not have voted on it. That would be correct.
0: And then what happens from there? Bub, does Bub give his update?
1: Yeah. And basically the highlight there was they got a lot of feedback, surprise, surprise, on their decision not to um, notify people of COVID exposure. So they have come up with a plan. And they will be sending out a survey. They said later this week. So if p- parents want to be notified, they can opt in, and they will receive notification. But it will be for elementary at the grade at the grade level, and at middle school and high school, it will be at the school level. They will not be able to identify classrooms or anything that could make it um, where people could tell exactly who who it was. <sighs>
0: I mean, being a parent, so I'm taking off my teacher's hat here and putting on my, my parents hat because I have a couple of kids in the district and that just seems absolutely worthless as a notification in general, because if you can't, I don't know, if, if you can't even approximate specifically how close of an exposure your kid might've had, like there's not a real, a real function to it, but anyway. I honestly
1: I think the best option, which I think they should do, is just post the actual um, absences uh, at each school so that people can see if there seems to be a problem or not.
0: Um, I know that, you know, Sam, our our president, Sam, had sort of called for that at the last meeting. We didn't hear anything back about that or there's no, there was no discussion on the potential of doing that or anything in the meeting tonight or last night? No, no. Okay. Um, anything else of note from Bub's update? Um,
1: no, just that he went out to every school and and met with all the counselors to thank them for during counselor appreciation week. He put a lot of miles on his car <laughs> and smiled for a lot of pictures.
0: Um, OK, so where do we go from there?
1: Um, Then they had the District Spotlight, which was on CTE, which, if people don't know, stands for Career and Technical Education. And we have a really robust program here in our district. So they celebrated it. Uh, They had two teachers, both who had been West Ada students and participated in the programs. And then they had two current students who wanted... Um, in two different programs. And so they just kind of had a little celebration. It was really short, but letting people know that we have um, a lot of options for students and they just had a couple open houses that have been well attended. So, um, you know, West data does offer a lot for, for students at um, the high school level so they can pursue their passions or learn about a passion, develop a passion.
0: Yeah. Well, just uh, to toot our own horn here, uh, Rocky Mountain had a teacher, um, Miss Mo, stood up um, for Family Consumer Science, and she's she's rad. Yes,
1: yeah, she was one of the ones who spoke and had been a West State student. So yes, and so I, it was great that um, you know, short and sweet, which is how I like it. Then next up. Um, they had an opportunity for patrons to speak on board agenda items and nobody signed up. So that was awesome, 30 minutes that we didn't have to spend. Oh, wow. And then next they talked about um, policy 201.1 on the Board of Education Code of Ethics. And basically the only change they're looking at is say, stating that the superintendent should not be in hearings when they talk about um, expelling students or firing students because the district has already made that recommendation. And so um, that way the board can deliberate without any input from the superintendent. Trustee Johnson questioned that because the superintendent had been there and they said, well, not, we haven't had a hearing in a long time. She said, yes, but, um, that it says and or in it and so she thought they ought to change that language and it was a first reading so they'll take it back and and look at it because superintendents have been there when they have fired or um, teachers or expelled students
0: Mm. um sidetrack here but brett heller gave this presentation right or led this discussion um and do we know when, when is he gone? Is he finishing, he's finishing the year off, correct? That's and then, correct,
1: yes. And okay. then he reports back to his district in June.
0: All right. Okay. Okay. So then uh, we're talking about the, the, the potential school year or the 2022-2023 school year? Um,
1: Yeah, the calendar discussion. And this is something people really need to pay attention to, because they're looking not just at this next school year, but the ones after. And they are really looking at trying to change things so that we end semester before Christmas. That would mean an earlier starting point. They didn't refer to that this time. They talked about changing the hours. But as Amy Johnson said, you know four o'clock is about the latest you should have elementary go and if you extend hours you can have them there even longer just so they can get more time in during one day instead of adding extra days to the calendar so people who are interested and concerned should really be following this because they're going to be having meetings um and it's going to be up for discussion before it gets approved
0: hmm so they're talking about adding hours rather than, than specifically adding additional days or, or whatnot earlier in the year. It's... Right.
1: And and as huh. employees, um, we already work an eight-hour day. Does that mean we're going to work nine, 10? Um, and how does that affect our contract? So I think there's a lot that needs to be watched here as and far as the calendar discussions go.
0: And or the effectiveness of instruction, you know, <laughs> keeping kids' attention for... Um, you know, the amount of time that we already have is, is already a right. pretty long so, day for, for kids that are genuinely engaged. But
1: So if we're keeping the same day, we're going to have to add more days on. And right now, <clears throat> if they did that for this year, what was it, school would start um, August 9th and teachers would report like August 4th or something. So mm-hmm. basically, we'd lose that entire month. And whenever year they look at that, they're looking at for the 23 school year, um, people would have a very short summer if that happened.
0: Yeah. Um, when would that, when would that end the school year? I mean that we'd have one really short summer, right. When we're changing from one to the next, but then it would be a pretty normal summer. The years after.
1: It would end in mid May, mid May. So the second or third week in May. So even before Memorial day. So, um, The time then after that one summer. But, you know, people have to look, you know, if you're going to McCall, that's a lot more pleasant in August than it is around um, Memorial Day. Yeah.
0: Okay. Or even Uh, uh,
1: in other vacation spots.
0: Well, and for our member listeners out there, please be on the lookout. We're going to do a poll this month in our newsletter to, to kind of feel where our body is at on, on this issue and and how open to aligning our, our curriculum with the, the Boise School District. Because that's the primary intention, right, is just to make sure that we're all we're, we're in close alignment as well as the, the finishing before Christmas. So the kids don't have the learning loss over the break and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it
1: is academically the learning loss coming back after two weeks off and then having a one week to prepare and then your finals, um, you know, is that the best educational practice for the students? I mean, I can argue this either way. So um, it is something that if people are interested, they really need to be um, staying vigilant on.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. need to be a part, make sure that their their voice is a part of this discussion, certainly.
1: Yes, but other than that, for this coming school year, the one thing is there will be no half days um, because that transportation and causes issues, and that they are adding one day in the spring for parent-teacher conferences, and these are designed for um, people whose uh, students are having some, some issues that need to be resolved, and um, they it would be in February, so that end up being a four-day um, break for students uh, because it's on a three-day weekend. It's going to back up to President's Day, but um, and they're concerned then whether people would actually attend. But the idea is, if you in February, if there's an issue that there's time for uh, intervention to help that student be more successful to finish the school year.
0: And when did we stop? We. Uh, We were discussing a little bit before we started recording, and and we used to be doing the spring parent-teacher conference, yes? Do you know why and when we stopped?
1: Um, It was somewhere, because about 2006, 2007, they stopped, uh, and it used to be a two-day event, and they said it was so poorly attended, and then the people who attended are the ones whose students were doing well and that that it didn't really benefit the students. And so that was just lost instructional days. And so they dropped it at the time then. Yeah,
0: I don't know, I can't imagine that. I mean, from my, my experience, that's basically about all that comes to the first parent-teacher conference in the first place. So what would we be doing different? I don't know if adding those additional days doesn't necessarily ensure that those parents that really need to come in are going to come.
1: But the one big um, difference this time, Zach, is that this would be in February. The other conferences used to be at the end of spring break or sorry, at the, around spring break. So um, March, beginning of April. And really, there's not a lot of, of time then to do an intervention, especially like at the elementary level, where now they can identify kids who might need some special. Um,
0: gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, when we have the first parent-teacher conference, it's still like, I'm still really trying to get a grasp on on some of these kids and haven't really identified the the issues with turning in work or, you know, real misunderstanding or lack of comprehension of certain things. And it's, you know, it's just, it might be almost too early. So maybe this would be the, the sweet spot in terms of really intervening and making a difference.
1: Well, I think it would be important at elementary to invite the parents you need to see for that. And the same might be true at high school Hmm. to make sure the parents who you needed to see were invited instead of the parents of the kid who has straight A's and, you know, becomes like, hey, you're a great teacher and you, hey, you have a great student and and it doesn't, isn't productive. Yeah. Makes you feel good, but it's (laughs) (laughs) not.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. Okay. Anything else here? What, what happened, what happened after this discussion?
1: Okay. Um, and that was just a discussion. So, um, they're not making a decision on it. So, um, next up we had, um, Chantel Knowlton from the, um, she's the deputy attorney general working on an opioid settlement. Um, and she, they had to get all the counties to sign on because they have sued Johnson and Johnson and three distributors for, um, giving out or making opioids so available and causing a problem. And so they had, anyway, they had to get all the the, um, counties to sign on. They've done that. They had to get the major cities to sign in. They've done that. And then any district with over 25,000 students, well, that's only two, West Data and Boise. And then any fire districts with a certain number of students, and they have 19 and 22 of those but um amy johnson was concerned because the district would not get any money from this and so she wondered how we would be able to provide services um without the money um chantel said that the other groups would, would provide those services but the, they questioned um what what would be if we saw if we didn't sign or if we did sign what would happen and basically the district then could not sue johnson and johnson to try to get money and basically, they decided they didn't need our signature signature until April 1st. So they're going to look into the matter more before making a decision.
0: What would be the the district's claim to some sort of compensation for harms done? Just that it's just that community at large was sort of hurt by this opioid over prescription over prescribing of opioids.
1: Right. Well, they would have to be able to prove that the district itself was harmed. Um, not just the community, because that's already been proven. So um, for them to file their own lawsuit personally, um, just sign on so the state can get the money and and develop programs that would benefit anybody from the district who needed them. That's my opinion.
0: Hmm. All right. And then anything else here? What
1: no, there were exactly. no action items because there was a first reading and the proposal, so they didn't vote on anything, and then they had a work session. Marcy Horner and Jonathan were presenting on the long-term facility plan. Uh, there's a 32-page PowerPoint that is available online if anyone's interested. It looked very thorough, and it was Valentine's Day, so I left. Carmi Scheller, uh-huh. our WAEA vice president, did stay, so you could contact her and see if we needed to do a podcast about that too. So if she learned anything, but basically we have a lot of growth. They were calculate, figuring, t- saying how they calculated the uh, amount of students that might be in an area and looking at where we need to build future schools. Hmm. If we can get anybody to pass a bond anymore.
0: Gotcha. Maybe we'll have to contact Marcy herself and, uh, and have her give us a, a talk about that seems relevant all right well uh great thank you so much sue is there any any other last little comments anything that we need to know about uh before or after meeting happenings or anything
1: no we just need to hold on to our seats and watch what's going to happen as we get some new board members on
0: yeah yeah we'll be crossing our fingers (laughs) to say the very least um all right Sue. well thank you for your time we appreciate your your notes and your eyes and your input
1: Okay, thanks, Seth. All
0: right, we'll talk to you next time.
1: All righty, bye. Bye.